What's up, ghouls and ghosts, and welcome to another episode of A Horror Shed. We hope you enjoyed part one of Frick's 1932, and now it's time for part two. So, the poster yeah. for Freaks. I don't know if you um, have the poster. Visually, I can remember it having a yellow background. Mm-hmm. If you get the poster up, um, just because I did want to talk about the poster of it. I guess there are multiple posters, actually. The yellow one where you have... Todd Browning's production, Freaks in the Red Writing. Yeah. And then you've got... Hercules and... Cleopatra um, Cleopatra kissing Hans. Oh, oh. no, no, no. There's, there's the one where it's um, everyone. And yeah, that's the, the one I was thinking of. And them. all the freaks are on the right-hand yes. side of the poster. The one that I saw come up more often... Hey, maybe this is just different um, search engines was um, a yellow poster, Hercules is on the left. Oh, I see the one you're on Yeah, about. yeah. Yeah. And the tagline at the top. Yeah. Can, can a full-grown full woman, woman truly, truly love... love a midget? Yeah. Can a full-grown woman truly love a midget? Is such a ouch yeah. of a poster. So there's that. Mm-hmm. Also, the names that we have... On this poster, Wallace Ford is yeah. Frozo, Leila Himes is Venus, Olga Baklanova is Cleopo- Cleopatra, Cleopatra, and Roscoe is Roscoe. Oh, yeah. Did Roscoe, Roscoe play himself? Yeah, yeah. Roscoe was a was a was a clown in real life. Oh, that's why when I say in his name and I thought it was named Roscoe, I was thinking I'm sure there's a Roscoe of something. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He he was he was a clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Roscoe is playing himself. Very important to note. Was he a shitty person as well? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. I I didn't really look into Roscoe too much. But very important to note: none of those names are the Hans, Frida. No, no. They're all the able-bodied people. Mm-hmm. So that's very important to know. The thing about this film is I think the, the the thing about this film is you're meant to question who is the real freak. Okay. Is what everybody that that's the thing that every that's like everyone always says. Who are the real villains? Who are the real freaks? Mm-hmm. Are the villains because again Okay, so right at the end, the shots of them moving through the rain. Yeah. When they're going to get Hercules. Those shots are iconic. Yes. They're those powerful. Are like, those are the shots that pe- I think when people think of the film Freaks, you either think of the final shot of Cleopatra or you think of the people moving through the rain. Those are the takeaways of the mm-hmm. film. Or I know as well when I Googled to find the film, um, one of the first things was that came up was a YouTube clip of that marriage table scene as well. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the goo-boo-gabba, goo-boo-gabba. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are probably like the scenes. But the shots of them moving through the rain, they are the threat. Yeah. So again, we've been saying, hey, these are people. good? These are people. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day... When the horror movie wants to horror, and we can get into is it is it horror film? 
Mm-hmm. When the horror movie wants to horror, it is the freaks. Yeah. That are that when it wants to bring the scary elements out, then they use the freaks to do that. Yeah. Instead of the able-bodied people like Cleopatra yeah. and Hercules, who are the real yeah, villains. Yeah, 100%. They are the villains of the film. Yeah. Um, but so much of the fear... Like, if you look at the actual plot of it, the fact that it's all told through flashback, it's saying, oh my God, what if you became a freak? Yeah. That's where the fear comes from. And that's fucked up. It is very fucked up. (laughs) So, you know, you can say as much as it has these nice scenes... The overarching thing of the film is like, no, you, if to become a freak is such a horror. Yeah. Which is not okay. Yeah, it's saying, Jesus Christ, imagine being one of them, yuck. Yeah. Is what it's saying. So it's, it is a very, um, it is, it's icky. It's very icky. Um, So another thing about this film is it was made, it was released in 1932. Right before World War II. Yes, which is important, but also it... Oh, no, 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 yeah, because the context of Freaks and, and World War II is very important because... It was at a time so where many, many yeah. unable people were being such heavily prejudiced on... And we're being killed, more soon yeah. to be killed. Yeah, eugenics. Yeah. I need to talk about the scroll. Damn, we have a lot to get through. The scroll, yeah. I didn't get the scroll when I watched it. So, so I don't know what it says. There's scroll where it, bo- it mostly is what the guy says. Mm-hmm. It's very similar in terms of context. It's like an opening scroll saying... It's like, hey, people, some people are born with abnormalities and some people are born with disabilities. And and then it kind of pats itself on the back too much and says, mm-hmm. and it may shock you, but throughout history, these people have not been treated kindly. Yeah. And it's like, they're still not being treated kindly. No, it's, it's still going on. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's given all of these examples throughout history of like, you know... In this time, if people were born with this kind of disability, they would be left out on the street and they they would be left to die and all of this. Mm -hmm. And it's very negative on that. It's very like, this is wrong because they are people. Yeah. So again, it's setting the film up in a, hey, did you know that people are people and we need to treat them with kindness? Yes, it's almost setting the film up as in, hey, this is, people are people. Um, doesn't matter their abilities, they are still people. Yeah, um, doesn't matter their looks. But this film will kind of go against. Well, it says, like, Ooh. it's kind of saying this film is a story about these people. Yeah, okay. It, it, it seems to be kind of like a, and again, the fact that I was going to say, I don't know, it kind of gives the impression that it's like a warning. Hey. Yeah. You're you're about to see some people like you get you warnings in front of films or shows now. Mm-hmm. 
Le- it feels less of a trigger warning. It feels more of a kind of um, PSA. Yeah, it's it. It kind of gives the tone of hi. You're about to see some people with um, who might look very different to you. They are people. You know, it's kind of like you possibly haven't seen a woman with no arms. You possibly haven't seen a bearded woman. You know, you possibly haven't seen these people. This film will contain those people. They are people. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of watching this opening scroll like, okay, this is good. It's progressive, Mm -hmm. especially for the time. And I also think it is good to have it at the start of a film. Yeah, especially a film like this. So then you have that belief going into the film. Yeah. You have that realisation, oh, they are just people as you go into the film. And, I mean, especially, like, I think there is a somewhat human element of... um, I was actually having a discussion with someone the other day about um, is it human to to have fear when you see someone who doesn't look like you? Because we we were having, like, a discussion on racism. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes working in a school, these kids just draw me into discussions and I'm like you are meant to be doing your work but okay let's discuss this and you know she was saying like you know it's very human to see someone who doesn't look like you and Mm. to be scared and I guess it's that is true of we are there's that scientific thing that we when when you see a face you try to see how that face relates to you yeah you try and see yourself in that yeah because then they are part of your circle, you know, yeah. you have this idea that, you know... Um, and you can relate. In, you can yeah. see. Yeah. Like, way back in the cavemen eras, we were, you know, probably mostly living with our own family. Yeah. So it was mix of family circles. Yeah. So you'd be living with people who look very similar to you. So if you see someone who doesn't look similar to you, there's that idea of, oh, you're an outsider. It's like that's... you take a step back you're taking it back mm-hmm. but it's that I think the that scrolls well was from what I've heard is putting in that hey you might be taken back you might feel a bit of fear but don't live in that yeah move beyond it and I, I think it, it's really good that it has it at the start because it's kind of like you don't want people to spend too long of a film going uh yeah, it's that thing because like, that's hey. not what the film's supposed to be about. Yeah, and there is also the idea that you know, um, in my research of this film, because I did want to do a lot of research in this film, because like I said, I think it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of arguments for actually being ableist is good, <laughs> <laughs> because of course there are, because people suck. It's this idea that. It is natural to feel revulsion. Again, like this is me quoted, like not quoting. Mm. I don't have the quotes, but this is me explaining what the idea is. It's natural to feel revulsion if somebody is born um, deformed. Yeah. Because, you know, on an evolutionary side, you want strong babies. Yeah. Yeah. So if your baby is born without legs... It's it's, a how are they to survive. Yeah. It's a survival It's a survival technique that if someone is born different, less able, 
you you know it happens in nature where like a, a like a a mother will like yeah cast out their calf like a cow will you know yeah. things like that it's it's that thing of you will not survive to adulthood and I'm gonna cut my losses mm-hmm. I think that's a stupid argument in this day and age yeah because especially now there's so much technological development there's so much that and you've come to you should have come to realize by this day and age that no they are they're just disabled especially given the right resources yeah yeah like 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 we're not hunter-gatherers no anymore it's okay if someone is born without food can literally be delivered to the door now yeah like, it's absolutely fine. So that's the argument why ableism is good. But, so, like, but basically, I do agree that ableism is inbuilt in our genetic code, I guess. Because mm. as, as much as, we, you know, we are living in this modern age, evolution takes years. Yeah. We do still have that hunter-gatherer brain. Yes. But why why are we allowing ourselves to live in it essentially mm. is, is, is we always... have the tools to move beyond that yeah yeah like if if we're gonna say that we're not animals anymore okay why are we allowing ourselves to have thoughts like this that are primal yeah why are we allowing ourselves to act like animals if we don't yeah. believe we are anymore evolutionary wise yeah so so that's why i think yes probably ableism is genetically inbuilt but there's there's this there's this good quote that I it's remember. It's still even though it may be genetically built, it still does not make it okay. Yeah, yeah. And it is one of those things where there, I remember seeing this. I think this is a, literally I'm quoting a Tumblr text post. <laughs> um, somebody said they feel really bad about they will like have thoughts that are problematic. Yeah. And they will feel so guilty about that. And then someone replied to that, okay, think of it this way. The first thought you have is how society has trained you to think. Yeah, it's what the societal norm is. The second thought you have is how you want to think. Yeah. So you have that progression. And I think it's okay as well if you allow yourself to sit in that thought, analyse it and be like, yeah. No, this is how we flow. Yeah. And so and so that that's why I'm saying like if we accept ableism as a genetic part, okay, that's a thought. We don't need it anymore. Yeah. Cause like we said, we're not living in caves having to go out and hunt and gather. Yeah. We are in a modern age. Yeah, where we're not daily fighting off these big huge animals. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember how we got onto that. I mean, I, this is the thing. I think all of these things about this film, it's really good discussions. It's just how, yes. So this film came out in 1932. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where we came from. Which means it's pre, because we were talking about eugenics. Yeah, and the wall. And then we were talking about the scroll. We followed the train. Yeah. The scroll. So. It starts off saying you're going to see people who have abnormalities. Mm -hmm. And again, it uses the word abnormalities a lot, which I prefer to deformed. 
Yeah. Because deformed is definitely negative. Yeah, it's a lot. Deformed is a term that's been used a lot as a derogatory term. Yeah. Whereas abnormal just means not the norm. Yeah. And there are abnormalities. So whenever it used the term abnormalities, I was like, okay, nice. I see mm-hmm. you, freaks. I see you. And yeah, like I said, it, it's it's a lot of kind of, um, hey, these are people who don't look like you. That's okay. And then it says, this film, this story is a story that won't be told for much longer. Due to the advances of modern science and teratology, uh, as modern science and teratology is rapidly eliminating such blunders of nature from the world. Ooh. Eugenics has entered the chat. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. And like I said, this whole I did not going, expect it to go that. Yes. Yes. This whole scrolls go in and it's like, these are people that we need to treat with. And it's say, you know, these are people that we need to treat with kindness because there's mm-hmm. a hard life because people are not kind to them. Yeah. People are giving and them so- extra difficulties to deal with. You know, they have difficulties in that the world is not built for them. Mm-hmm. And then they have difficulties because people are not kind to them. And we need to show them kindness. And I'm like, okay, nice. And then it's like, luckily in the future, they're, gonna they're die. just not going to exist. Mm. Which so, is, there's, that, there's that total flip. It's like the flip of a coin. Mm-hmm. I mean, because the thing is, eugenics is like something that I think is commonly thought of as negative. Yeah. Right? Obviously, some people are pro-eugenic still. But the thing to remember about 1932 is eugenics is still a good thing at this yeah. point. People are still, wow, this is great. We're going to have an entirely fit human race. And when I say fit, I mean, you know, strong and able-bodied. Yeah. Um, and also white. Let's yeah, white, strong, able-bodied, straight. Eugenics. Um, non-Jewish. Who pro-eugenics. There, there are people who are pro-eugenics now who say like, no, it's just about being healthy. And it's not like, like, there are people, like, again, I did a lot of research. Yeah. This episode, there, there are people who are still pro-eugenics and they say, you know, being disabled is a hard life and so we we wouldn't wish that on anyone and so yeah. you know wouldn't wouldn't it be better if essentially wouldn't it be better if they didn't exist not like we're gonna kill them but, but just it should like, be the person deciding not being decided for yeah and it's just that thing of like if we just stop disabled people being born mm. then it's okay because yeah. then we're not killing anyone we're just not they're not they're just not existing anymore Mm-hmm. And they will say that it's not to do with race and it's, you know, anyone can be healthy. Yeah, but- it's like there was a country, um, I can't remember the name of the country, so I'm not going to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but they were scanning children, like fetuses, pregnant mothers, for Down syndrome as a possibility. Mm. Um, I think this, this is within this century. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if they came back positive or are highly likely that the child would have Down syndrome, then they would be forced to get an abortion. Yeah. They would be forced to terminate their pregnancy. They wouldn't be given a choice. Yeah. I mean, 
and I again I don't know if this is in England but I know in 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 countries where abortion is legal the because there's a time limit yeah it's 24 weeks yeah in England yeah, yeah yeah in England 24 weeks but the time limit for aborting your fetus if it has down syndrome is much later yeah like like even even in places where it's not forced you are allowed the option yeah until very late in the pregnancy yeah where it becomes more of a they do it so it becomes more of a stillbirth but it's Mm -hmm. still yeah it it is an abortion yeah like yeah um so yes that opening scroll is just dives headfirst yeah it has some flips Mm-hmm. and like okay so again it's from the 1930s and this is in a time where I was I was listening to a podcast where somebody was talking about somebody who there, there's this woman who was like a very cool feminist from um the 1930s like early 1930s and she was quite pro-eugenics um but in a kind of like yeah like in a healthy yeah, like, um, I know there's some people who are pro it in a healthy way for end-of-life care. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, the thing is, and, 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 and yeah, this, this person in this podcast made this point. People who were pro-eugenics pre-World War Two hadn't fought eugenics through to its logical conclusion yeah because you can say oh wouldn't it be great if like um the human race was healthier and like you know um you know less less people were born with abnormalities and 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 we didn't have that risk as much you can say that in a very positive way wouldn't it be better if the human race Mm -hmm. was healthier end of end of sentence and that is technically pro-eugenics if you're yeah. looking at like that. But the logical conclusion is, you know, the Nazis. Mm-hmm. Let's round up. Let's round up everyone people. and yeah, let's ra- yeah, let's round up the um, and it's not even people. Yeah, it wasn't even people who were born with disabilities, but people who also became dis- disabled through life. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I mean, given that like the First World War had happened, people had le- lost limbs. Yeah, and there would have been they, a lot of injuries resulting from They found from themselves in the disabled category. Yeah. And then suddenly, you know, it's, it's, yeah. So it's, eugenics is, I'm going to go out on a, on a limb and say mm-hmm. eugenics, bad. <laughs> It's that thing that this this person said in this podcast. Early 1930s, people who were pro-eugenics hadn't seen it come to its logical conclusion. Yeah, they didn't see what it would lead to. So it's a little less murderous. It's a little more thought experiment. Yeah. That's the opening scroll, essentially. Mm-hmm. And also it just says things like they have no power to control their lot, which is patronizing yeah and also instills that hive mind yes yeah no 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 their lot as in their lot in life oh their lot in life yeah 
like they have still very patronizing yeah it's very kind of like oh these poor little dears Mm. they're they're born in this way and 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 they can't do anything but yeah but you see them overcome these obstacles Mm -hmm. um like there was woman one woman who had no arms but you Mm -hmm. could see her she was using her feet instead to do things she's the one to eat yeah, she's the one who, when um, the bearded lady has her baby, she lifts the blankets. So yeah, she lifts the blankets so Frozo could see her the foot. Mm-hmm. The opening scroll is interesting. I think it's it's good. Yeah. Overall, I, I think it basically sums up how I feel about this film. It's good overall. It's patronizing at times, and it has a sprinkling of yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good uh, sum up. Yeah. <laughs> so, what I was going to say about 1932, like I, mm-hmm. I, I am sorry, like this is going to be a long one. I just, yeah, like I do keep saying, like I think it is a very important one to do yeah. properly. When when we were like literally first talking about, yeah, when we first talked about doing this, and you were saying about doing freaks, then you you immediately said this is one that has got to have a lot of context for it and a lot of research needs to be done for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because So, hit me with that research. <laughs> okay, so do you know about the Hayes Code? No, I do not. The Hayes Code was a, um, basically, moral guidelines um, that were... The Hayes Code was this self-imposed industry set of guidelines for all motion pictures that were released between 1934 and 1968. Okay. So, I'm going to read you a bunch of things that the Hayes Code didn't like. It, okay, do's and don'ts and be carefuls. Oh, God. No, there's no do's. It's only don'ts. These are the don'ts and be carefuls. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pointed profanity includes words like God, Lord, Jesus, and Christ. Um, blasphemously. Use blasphemously. Mm-hmm. You can't use hell, son of a bitch, God, like gowd, like G-A-W-D, <laughs> because obviously it's just meant to be. Damn. And any profanity. Yeah. Anything... Um, like nudity suggestive nudity um even in silhouette form was Mm -hmm. risky um anything to do with drugs um sexual perversion gay Mm -hmm. and um interracial anything to do with white slavery oh that's a word that i do not know the meaning of miscegenation I've not come across oh, that word. Oh, miscegenation is interracial. Oh. Like, yeah. Um, sexual relations or marriage between people who are considered to be members of different races. Um, sexual hygiene or venereal diseases. Mm-hmm. Um, scenes of actual childbirth or even in silhouette. Sexual se- uh, Children's sex organs. Hey, I'm down with that not being in film. Yeah. Um, ridicule of the clergy. Or, um, and use of firearms, a man and woman in bed together, um, any scene where a woman is being seductive, 
that it's it's such a long list I think yeah. oh this one's just hilarious excessive or lustful kissing particularly when one character is a heavy criminal <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to see criminals excessively or lustfully kissing so that's what the Hayes Code didn't like yeah. and that's what was put so the Hayes Code was put into um, an act it was enacted in 1934 and films essentially could not have that you know mm-hmm. how old films there's like separate beds for like old films separate beds for yeah. like husband and wife that's because of the Hayes Code that wasn't like oh. a common thing the Hayes Code you just like I said man and a woman in bed can't show that Oh, I didn't realise it was a Hays Code thing. That's a Hays Code thing. Oh. So there's a t- like there's there's like this idea of pre-code films. Mm-hmm. The thing is, films from the ni- like 1930s to 1934s, films were pretty risky. Yeah. There's, there's like there's a film, and I, I again like I haven't actually seen this film personally, but I I know I know of it. There's like a film where. It's literally like lesbians from oh. the nineteen thirties. Um you know, love. I, I think she's she's it's like the daughter of Dracula is what it's oh, called okay. or something. And she is a vampire mm-hmm. who is seducing these human women and drinking their blood. And it's always very I mean, all dra- all vampires are always sexy. Yeah, all those scenes are always very sexy, and that is a film that could not come out post code. Like it's a Mm. thing. Pre code films are. This is a film. It has knives. It has guns. Yeah, poison. It has. It has. I would say that that was lustful. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was some lustful moments. Rosa and Venus, and Mm -hmm. in fact, and um, Cleo and Hercules. Yeah, yeah. Another example of like a film that couldn't come out. And I guess I could go on into this when I do the film, but I'll mention it now because I don't know if I'll remember. Um, <laughs> Frankenstein, the original Frankenstein. Yeah. That's a film that could not have come out post-code because mm-hmm. that bit where Victor has made Frankenstein and he's talking about like how he is the power of God. Yeah. Uh, 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 you uh. can't do that with That's the code. That's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. This is a pre-code film, and I think it really shows because, like, the amount of kind of... I mean, um, and this is, I guess, a perfect segue into talking about the actors. The woman who didn't have her arms, Hmm. she is using her feet, which means that she's showing a lot of leg. Yeah. And that is... That could not have happened post-code. No, no Um, ankles no ankles I mean she's showing thigh yeah (laughs) um but yeah that's the Hayes code and I think again like pre-code the fact that it's pre-code is Mm -hmm. integral to the context of it um I've been talking about how I'm going to talk about the actors a lot so do you want to yeah yes so I wanted to talk about the actors who play the freaks because mm-hmm. we mentioned that they do not have any poster like they don't have their names on their poster no they're not um advertised no and even on imdb like like in the film they never get names like yeah like woman, half boy 
Halfboy, the woman who is using her feet. She's literally called Armless Girl in IMDb. Yeah, and you've got um, Half Woman, Half Man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's as if they don't deserve a name. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the conjoined twins mm-hmm. are on IMDb as Siamese twin. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just wanted to finish up I mean we'll talk about what we think of the end but I just wanted to kind of finish up by giving the actors a little bit of their due yeah they just give them a little shout out being like hey obviously I don't have information on all of them there's a car alarm going I can't hear it if you can hear it I'm sorry I can't be bothered to pause I want to talk about these actors (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, I wasn't able to find information on all of them, but I will at least give you all of their names Mm -hmm. because that's the best that I can do. Johnny, um, so the half boy, was played by Johnny Eck. That's a nice name. Lovely name. He actually, um, he basically was born with, he he does have legs, but um, they just never grew. They were like... I can't, I think it said something like they were twisted in the, in the womb. Um, They just, they just never grew. Yeah. So, um, so he essentially, um, and he actually, in the end, he, he, he always covered them. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really, yeah, he, he didn't have legs, um, to himself he would often um how did he describe it sorry I I did research but then (laughs) I thought I remembered this quote that's why hey don't ever think you'll remember it always write it down word to the wise he um described himself as snapped off at the waist Uh. um was how he saw himself Mm -hmm. um and he had he had a twin brother um who was um able-bodied and um so he was 0.43 meters um okay but he he like it was like this thing of um he could always see he he would have been five foot seven inches because his brother was five foot seven inches. Uh, he had that kind of um, yeah. view. Um, yeah, and he he um, he had this famous... The, the, there's a picture of him, if you Google Johnny Eck, it's probably like the first one that comes up, of him doing a one-handed handstand okay. with his other hand directly up. And it's um, that was like his, his, his famous mm-hmm. kind of... Um, his show um he was like taught by his older sister caroline she um taught both him and his brother robert um till they were seven at home he actually he um could walk before robert could stand (laughs) because he's he's on his hands Um, yeah so I guess there's less to kind of hold upright and when you're mm-hmm. a baby it's very hard to get that um balance yeah yeah um Johnny could walk before Robert could even stand um 
and they could both read um, by the age of four because of their sister teaching them but they Mm. both enrolled in a public school Um, and Eck recalled that the larger students would fight for the privilege or honour of lifting him up on the stone steps to school and the school windows were blacked out to discourage onlookers from peering at him because he found that like a struggle like the school actively like his classmates would like I want to help you into school and the school actively like blacked out the windows so people walking past to help protect him and be like is he yeah Yeah. make him feel normal yeah yeah yeah. and um he there's just he sounded like such a great person. He um, remained consistently upbeat about his birth defect. And when he was asked if he wished he had legs, he quipped, why would I want those? Then I'd have to, then I'd have pants to press. <laughs> He's like, I am literally doing fine. Yeah, I'm living. I'm cool. I'm chill. Yeah. He also challenged those who did have legs by asking, what can you do that I can't do except tread water? <laughs> like he just, um, yeah. And and him and his brother both developed an interest in painting and woodworking and would spend hours carving and painting elaborate, fully articulated circus scenes. And that's why I love that it's him who's like, did you do the trick I told you about? Yeah. Because that oh. is what he was. Yeah. He was like brainwave, you know, of, of he, yeah. Um, and yeah, in, in 1923, so he was born in, um, he was born in 1911. Um, so in 1923, when he was 12 years old, mm-hmm. um, there was a local church that had a stage magician Um And when he asked for volunteers, he bounded on stage. Um, And the magician was like, what? Because he like hadn't seen a kid without legs. Um, But he was like... He was actively putting himself out there. And that's when um, the magician was like, hey, come join our show. And X said, yes, but only if my brother comes along with me. Oh. They were they were really really um, close, yeah. Um, and yeah, like he has an incredibly interesting life. He like I, again, we're talking a lot. I don't want to go too much later on in life in the eighties. He lived all the way to the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, he the brothers were war, um, were robbed, and it was a really harrowing ordeal like it took hours um I don't like it it just says they were robbed and it took hours I don't know um gunpoint or whatever but um one of the thieves sat on Johnny and mocked him because he's you know like at chair height I guess um while the others took their valuables um and after that both brothers just went into seclusion Mm. And, and became like recluses um, and never had visitors in their home. And Eck would say, like, if I wanted to see freaks, all I have to do is look out the window. So he was very much of a mindset of 
they're the freaks. Yeah. Yeah. He had a heart attack in 1991. Oh, At age 79. And his um, brother passed away in 1995. Um, yeah. And uh, they're buried together in Baltimore. No, so it's that's... lovely that they stay together. Yeah. It's really sweet. They were, they were like a proper duo. Mm. And it's one of those things where you could like easily like imagine that he'd be like, cynical or like jealous yeah they but just he wasn't, wasn't. That's he was fine with who he was yeah and like like he said like if i wanted like why would i want legs and i'd have to cross yeah. my pants like i don't want chores no i don't want more washing to do no yeah <laughs> um so that was the half boy johnny mm-hmm. eck josephine joseph is a half woman half man okay I love the name Josephine Joseph. That is That's a good name. So smart. I really couldn't find all that much about her other than she married a man and later had like transitional surgery okay. um, to to fully be a woman. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that is because because there were also lots of court cases around it. I don't know if part of the reason that she transitioned was so that she could marry a man. Because obviously yeah the 30s of it all yeah um but that's all i could really find on josephine joseph francis o'connor is the armless woman armless girl um mm-hmm. she was born without arms she was a traveling performer i do not want to read the thing that basically the the the, the, the biography about her is kind of written super like seductively and i'm like oh why are you objectifying her? It's talking about how, like, she probably benefited from the fact that she had to do things with her legs because it had to show her legs. And I'm like, um, or she just did things with her legs and yeah. so her legs were out. Yeah. It's like she benefited from the innocent seductiveness. It's mm. like, no, no. Um, not my girl, Frances. She is just doing what she's doing. And she is, she was incredibly... Like she could do anything mm. with her with her with her legs, and she actually, when her her mum was like her manager, yeah. When her mum died, she was actually still quite. I mean, she was probably like definitely not at retiring age age herself, mm-hmm. but she retired because she um, didn't want to travel. And Without her mum, she yeah, she just retired, spent her time knitting. <laughs> I love that. Knitting was her favourite hobby. Oh. And so she just retired and knitted. And I love that for Frances. Mm. She never married. And yeah, again, the things like she had many proposals. And it's like, yeah, yeah, cool. Let my girl knit. Yeah, we move. Yeah. Olga Roderick is the bearded lady. Mm-hmm. She had um again, like I'm not gonna act like they didn't have hard lives. Um, she was sold to the circus by her mum. Oh, that's rough. While her dad wasn't home, while he was away. Like, um, and she said, I don't know if my mum even got money or she just did it to get rid of me. She hated Ouch. me. 
she yeah she she was in many different circuses she was married multiple times um her a lot of the time the reason why she was in so many different circuses is she would just be left behind Mm. there was one time she got very ill and she was in the hospital and the circus just left and they didn't say anything but that did mean that her dad was able to find her that's lovely dad was very angry like he she said that he told her again like you know of the time um nothing is good of the time but you know domestic violence he gave her like a he he took his anger out on the mum for selling her which is not good because domestic violence but she obviously she was saying that in a he loved me yeah problematic times of the 30s but but yes she stayed with her dad for a while and then went back into circuses she had two daughters um but that's all I could really find about her there's Schlitzy Mm -hmm. she sorry he this is when I'll talk about Schlitzy Schlitzy um is um Schlitzy's actual birth name and date we don't really know anything about him um we don't even know his name so that's why he's always referred to as schlitzy even though that's just the characters the character um he was exhibited by pt varnum the demon himself Mm -hmm. um as um the last of the aztecs Yes, because um, Mesoamerican cultures often would bind their heads to give them a Mm -hmm. cone shape. Um, And so most of the pinhead people were um, used for... Yeah, were called the last of the Aztecs or the Aztec children. He was always exhibited... And that is the word for it, I guess. It sounds so disgusting. Mm. He was always exhibited as a girl. Um, and it's always kind of posited that um, essentially easier to go to the toilet was yeah. why he was always wearing a dress. Um, and after, you know, P.T. Barnum had had his use of him, he was put in an institution where his health took a decline and he died. Um, he he went back into the circuit yeah. um, and died on the road, um, oh. age 70. Oh, that's a good age. Well, again, like averaged of 70 because we don't know when he was yeah. born. Um, but yeah, in 1971. Um, so... Yeah, that that's all I could really find on Schlitzy, and I'm really sad to not even have name. his actual name. Um, but that's Schlitzy. There's Cuckoo, who is for one who um, is dancing on the table at the wedding scene. Yeah. Um, she is Minnie 
Woolsey, but she also prefer like um, performed as Cuckoo. So oh, okay. um, Cuckoo for Bird Girl was what she was often um, her stage name was. She was born in 1980. I mean, in 1880. I was going to say, what? <laughs> yeah. She time traveled. Yeah. Um, she was born in 1880, um, which means she was actually um, 52 in the film. Um, and she had a rare congenital skeletal disorder called Virchow-Setchel or mm-hmm. Harper's Syndrome, also known as bird-headed dwarfism. Oh, so okay. um, kind of a small head, mm-hmm. beak-like nose and receding jaw. So yeah. that's why she was often called like um, the bird girl. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she... Um, Yes, she had many, many names. Um, later on in life, she kind of didn't, because she, she would dance. And yeah. later on in life, she kind of um, didn't dance. She um, would just stand there because I guess um, the viewing of her was... To be observed. Yes. Um, but yeah, not much is known about her, but she actually... Um, died in her when she was 80 um she was hit by a car oh bless she was pretty much completely blind Mm. um and I guess yeah she didn't have anyone with her looking out for her at that point in time yeah but um that's Minnie Wolsey or Um, um we have they all seem to have lived a long life and that that's that's the thing that what the reason why I want to talk about them is because the film has such a like it's like it's like that thing that it said in the scroll it said um they have no power to control their lot yeah and I don't want that to be what we think of these actors no they lived lives yeah like and they survived so much so Especially much. during this time where it was right, the film was like right on the cusp of World War Two. Literally, literally, like, and and that's the thing. Like, I, I think when I was researching them, it's like, oh, you know, she died in the in the sixties. Yeah. Well, like, or or um, Johnny Eck dying in the nineties. Mm. Like, I was born in the nineties. Like, Same. It, it feels like that it feels like it's such an old film and and also you know people with abnormalities especially of the time would probably have a shorter life expectancy yeah they're they're living i want to give them their dues because god knows knows the film hasn't given it no um peter robinson um before he was the, the human skeleton he's the guy who was given out he's he's the guy who the cigars yeah yeah so Peter Robinson mm-hmm. um, worked at Coney Island, uh, later Ringling Bros, and again later P.T. Barnum. Um, he was very, he looked very normal mm. in his early life. It was only as like he went into teenagehood that he just didn't really put on any weight yeah. And um, his weight started dropping dramatically. Um, 
he was married twice, both times to circus um, fat ladies. Um, I couldn't really find any information on whether it was part of the show. Yeah. Or a, or a love marriage. He was said to, yes, Robinson's only screen appearance was in Todd Browning's Freaks as a circus performer who is overjoyed as he celebrates the fact that his wife, the bearded lady, has just given birth to their child, who is also bearded. By all accounts, his character in the film, the chatty, good-natured fellow who plays poker in the back of tent and celebrates his baby's birth with a round of fine with a round of fine cigars was not much of a stretch for Pete. He was a jovial man who loved to stubbornly argue about politics <laughs> and was rumored to be classic to be a classically trained Shakespearean actor and an expert harmonica player. Mm. He died in nineteen forty seven at the age of seventy two. Mm. So I just think I just really I yeah, I didn't have all that much information about him, but I wanted to read that. Yeah. Because again, it's making him that person. Yeah, like, it shows who he is. Yeah. He I argue about politics. Mm. That's me. You know, yeah. it's, it's making them people. Mm. Humanizing. Yeah. Yeah. Who Especially when they've been dehumanized so much. To such an extent. Daisy and Violet. Mm-hmm. Um, is their real name. Oh. Um, Daisy and Violet Hilton. Um, they're from Brighton. Oh. They're from England. Um, their mother was an unmarried barmaid. Um, so Mary Hilton was a woman who helped deliver them. Yeah. And she essentially bought them off oh. of their mother. Um, again, it was 1908. I can't really blame the mum. No. Cannot imagine being an unmarried barmaid in 1908 and then suddenly having to raise two children with exceptional circumstances. Yeah. But uh, Mary Hilton exhibited them from as soon as she had them. The oh. only reason she bought them was to make money off of them. Uh, my first thought was when you said that she bought them was that it was going to be a, hey, I'll look after them for you, but no. Oh. No, no. she she helped deliver them. She saw the potential and she would essentially, like, yeah, up over a pub. People would, and 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 so she would go down into the pub, get all the drunk men. Hey, do you want to see something? You know, I don't know what she said, but hey, do you want to see yeah. something crazy? Like, you know, probably said what the guy said at the beginning of. Yeah, the I was gonna film. say it's probably something similar to his speech. Yeah, you probably, uh, you know what? Without the whole, these are people because yeah. he says these are people. She probably just said, "Hey, do you want to see living monstrosities?" Mm. And they were controlling and abusive. Um, we, like Daisy and Violet, have said this. They were extremely controlling and abusive. And when she died, um, they were essentially passed on in her will to um, her daughter. 
they were advised by Harry Houdini to be legally emancipated. And they succeeded. That's good. They sued Mary Hilton's daughter, Mm -hmm. who I think was also a Mary. Um, They sued them and got $100,000. That's good. That's good now, but then, that's amazing. Which had it had a like a translation to modern money for 1920 for 2021 though i don't know for now but it is essentially a million five hundred thousand whoa so yes daisy and violet get that coin yeah Mm -hmm. they certainly earned it yep yep and um violet was a great saxophonist and daisy was a great violinist Oh, that's a nice combo. Yeah, I'm kind of annoyed that Violet didn't do violin, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, Violet was a great saxophonist, Daisy was a great violinist, and they kept performing mm-hmm. after they um, legally emancipated. They kept performing right up until they died in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, they got the Hong Kong flu. Influenza A, H3N2. It was a it was a uh, nineteen sixty eight global outbreak of influenza. It it sounds horrible. On the fourth of January nineteen sixty nine, they failed to report to work. Their boss called the police, and the twins were found dead in their home, victims of the Hong Kong flu. According to a forensic investigation, Daisy died first. And Violet died two to four days later. That's that horrible. Was, it's horrible. Part of what breaks my heart about that is because they were never really allowed to make connections. No. I, I didn't make a note of it, but... So Violet... was their body not found then until the until other one died? Didn't. Yeah. So that's, until... that's quite a few days. Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. They, well, they didn't show up to work, and so the police went to their home to see how mm-hmm. they were. You know, wellness check or whatever it is. Um, and yeah, that's when they found them both dead. Oh bless. Yeah, I just because they weren't allowed to make connections. Violet began a relationship with musician Maurice Lambert, and they applied in twenty-one states for a marriage license, but were always refused. Oh. Because I guess she was not seen as her own person. No. And they did get married. Um, in 1936, Violet married um, gay actor James Moore as a publicity star. Um, their marriage lasted 10 years on paper, but was like not really. Yeah. Um, and Daisy was um, visibly pregnant at the wedding. Oh. So um, Violet married and Daisy was visibly pregnant, but the child was um, taken away from her. Mm. Um, and in 1941, Daisy married um, Harold Estep, who was also a, a gay man, and their marriage only lasted 10 days. Um, they did not have it easy. No. they Their tour manager... In the 60s, sorry, I've, I've completely gone on the wrong 
way around. But in the 60s, their tour manager essentially abandoned them. And they had no means of transportation or or income. And so they were forced to take a job in a nearby grocery store. Mm -hmm. And that's where they worked for the rest of their lives. And that's the work, that's the job that um, their boss... They failed to show up to. Yeah. I wish so much more for, like, Daisy and Violet Hilton, Mm. especially given, like, they they were able to legally emancipate themselves. Yeah. Just the the world is a terrible place for people who are different. Yeah. So that's Daisy and Violet. Prince Randian, I believe that's how... Randian? I believe that's how it's said. He's the man with all four limbs missing. Oh, okay, yeah. He was born 1871. Mm-hmm. And he was brought to America by P.T. Barnum. Him again. Him again. Um, this is his only film. He was incredibly independent. Yeah. Like, he, I mean, like we said, he's in the film lighting his own cigarette. Yeah. Um... It was like, he, I want to smoke, I'm going to have a smoke. Yeah, yeah. He was a child of British Indian slaves in British Guyana. And um, he was born with Tetra Amelia syndrome, which is the lacking of all four limbs. Yeah, they don't really know much about him, but um, P.T. Barnum brought him to America when he was 18, so in 1889. Yeah, where he performed as one of P.T. Barnum's oddities. He was, um, yeah, like I said, incredibly independent and skilled. He could shave himself by securing a razor to a wooden block and Mm. paint with a brush or pen or or write with a pen um, by using his lips. And yeah, most famously roll and light his own cigarettes. He was also said to be a skilled carpenter. Oh, that's impressive. Using his mouth and shoulders to manipulate his tools and kept all the props and materials used in his act in a wooden box that he reportedly constructed and painted and installed a lock by himself using a saw, a knife and a hammer. So he was incredibly independent. Yeah. And he said, um, he, he used to say, someday I'll build myself a house. Oh, and I just, I just love. You that. can I, see him doing that as well. Literally, like you know, if he's going to build a book and put a lock on it, and yeah, um, he could speak English, German, French, as well as um, Hindi, which was his native mm-hmm. native language. Um, he married very early in life to a Hindu woman known only as Princess Sarah. I don't know if. These are the names that were given to him by P.T. Barnum, you know, the, yeah. um, you know, f- making a fantasy element of making them prince and princess. But I love them and I'm going to say it with love. Yeah. You know, to make them fantasy elements. So she was known as Princess Sarah and she um, was a completely, you know, able-bodied woman. And she was apparently devoted to him throughout his 45 year long career in the sideshow um the couple had four daughters and a son and the son later became his manager oh wow so he managed to get away from pt barnum and his son was his manager um and they settled in new jersey 
Um, yes. He died of a heart attack in 1934, shortly after his comeback performance. Um, he was 63 years old. Um, and I think he's just like a perfect example of why I hate that they have no control. Yeah. A lot in life. He Because he could do so much. This is a man who, like, if you think about, you know, the, again, this is very heteronormative and whatever, but when people say, what is the goal in life? Have a successful career, get married, have kids. Well, he did that. He did that. He literally had an amazingly successful career. Yeah. He was extremely good at what he did. He got married. He retired, like, he... He settled in like a beautiful house in New Jersey with his wife who loved him, his four daughters, mm. his son. And yeah, and then he died of a heart attack, which is a completely like not at all related no. to his his condition. I I I yeah. I really I really loved his story and I'm I'm so glad I did research into these. Yeah, people. that is a lovely. I'm yeah. glad you did that as well. And I, I've ended with um, Daisy and Harry Earls. So this mm-hmm. is Hans and Frida. Yeah. Um, they're actually siblings. Oh. Which is probably why they just hug at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Daisy and Harry Earls uh, is the um, stage names of um, Hans and Frida. They're... Um, Original names are Hilda Schneider and Kurt Schneider. Mm. So Hilda and Kurt. They, I didn't really actually get all that much information. Daisy, I mean, Hilda was more famous of them. But they actually had um, two other sisters. And they were, um, there's pictures of them in height order. Daisy was the tallest of (laughs) the siblings. Daisy, Gracie, Tiny, and Harry. Harry <laughs> oh, oh, those, yeah, those were the, the um, stage names. Um, yes, and they they were in The Wizard of Oz. Oh. As, as the Munchkins. We we're angry at The Wizard of Oz, though, because they weren't credited individually. and But they did have a collective name that they would often perform under. Um, essentially, their manager's surname was Earl... And that's why they were the Earls. Ah, okay. After his death, they changed their stage surname to Doll. Mm-hmm. Because they, they would they would be like the dancing dolls. Ah, okay. Um, and their collective name, when they performed together, was the Doll family. Mm-hmm. Completely not at all derogatory. And the Wizard of Oz credits them as the singing midgets oh yes oh that's a no that's a big no yeah it's a big no no um but yeah so like they literally have a collective name just use their collective name yeah it's not that hard to do one don't use their collective name they have names use each of their yeah names like they all have an individual performance they're all their individual person use their names and harry doll like do it but um yeah, like if you are going to give them their collective name, give them their the actual... right one. Yeah, give them. Don't just make something up. No, 
and Daisy Earls died in 1980. Oh. So, and I wasn't really able to find out all that much information about Harry Earls um, or Kurt Schneider. Yeah, that is all the information that I was able to find on the um, actors who played um, the freaks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, like, like I said, I just think it's really important to remember them. Yeah. I... As who they are in their lives. Yeah. I and think, just how much they managed to accomplish. Yeah, yeah, because they absolutely did. I I was very, like, nervous about doing this film. Yeah, I remember you saying that from the start, um, when you said that you need to do a lot of research for this film, that you were also nervous about doing it. Yeah. Because, yeah, like... At the end of the day, I am very aware that, like, a lot of the language in the film's outdated. Yeah, I don't very know, outdated. Very outdated. I don't know myself what the current terminology mm-hmm. is. And I definitely, like, don't want it to be conceived as, you know, I'm able-bodied and I'm going to tell you about why this film about freaks is actually not problematic. Yeah. I I mean, overall, I think, I don't know if I would say it is or it isn't. I think it's important. Yeah. Because if nothing else, we've had this discussion. Mm. And it's the discussion that matters. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, like I, I, I when I, when I said I was going to do this film, I wanted to do as much research as possible because like, like, yeah, like that's why I spent so much time like, getting the life story of each of the actors because I don't want them to just be freaks that people will point and laugh at. No. Because yeah, like 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 Randy not... lived that amazing life. Yeah. Um and yeah, like I also don't want them to be patronized. No. Like like you you can be kind to people without calling them poor little dears. Yeah. And I think that's partly where at times this film but then at the same time they're the ones who kill people so is it patronizing Hmm. they have a they have a lot of agency in this film yeah i guess that's all the context that i can give you ha we've been recording for a very long time but (laughs) i don't want to end it now because now i want to know with all of this we have been discussing this whole time but let's you know get into it what do you think now um I think I'm I've picked up a bit more of the tone I guess now so I'm a little less confused on that half Mm -hmm. so I Mm -hmm. think I do have more of a enjoyment to it um and I like the like I said before the importance of it portraying them to be oh no I can do this yeah, I think yeah. that is a powerful step, especially for the time. I still have those ick moments, which yes. are going to be there. Oh yeah, I think. I mean, again, we're not going to say things in the past are acceptable. Yeah, but there is that part of, you know, it is. Yeah, a film from nineteen thirty-two, so. 
this is the belief from the time. Yeah. Like, like it, it, yeah, there are things that are still ick. And you can see why it's yeah, there, But that doesn't decrease the ick. No. You just have that historical background as to why that was placed there. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, the first time I watched this film, I was probably a lot more in your headspace. And I was kind of like, I don't know what's going on with this film. And it feels almost like, I mean, I think we're both against freak shows. Yeah. Very Um, much so. And, you know, there's moments in the film that kind of feel like I'm watching a freak show. Mm. Because you are watching these people who, like, like, all of those actors were in freak shows. Yeah. In sideshows. They all were. And so, yeah, that's uncomfy. Yeah, I know a part I did feel uncomfortable with or un- 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 and uneasy. Mm. But I think with the research I did, I definitely... Like, the first time I watched it, I think I thought... Because it, it's on 101 films mm-hmm. to see. So I, I watched it because I, you know, had to. Yeah. Sense. And so I, I watched it and I was like, okay, few tip. That's done. Yeah. And I feel like now I almost think I, I'd watch this film again, I think. I, th- I think I would. Because I, I think I found so much more enjoyment because I was, I was watching it so much more, like, like I said, like I did, what I did is I did some research before I watched it. Mm-hmm. And then I researched all the actors after I watched it. Yeah. I do like knowing about those actors now. And I, I, I almost feel like a lot of them, it was the only film they ever acted in. Yeah. And so I almost feel like I'd like to watch it again because I now have so much love for the actors. It's, it's, it's yeah. their craft. You know? You're watching like, it for them. They've made this film and yeah. it's a great film. I would say, like, I, I, think, I think I'm at this point where I think this is a good film. There's issues with it, but I think it's a good film. Mm-hmm. I don't know what what I feel like I've definitely done a lot of talking this episode. What do you think? I think I think I'm almost there mm-hmm. as to where you are right now. And like and like we always say, like we don't have to agree. No, you you don't ever have to get to this point. No, um, but I think if I were to watch again, I would have more love for it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I almost just want to watch it again just for. Just for Frida. That's the thing. Yeah. There's so, there's I just, so, I loved her so much in this film. There's so much to be enjoyed mm. in this film. I think, I think I would all, yeah, I, I think this film is a really good, I feel like I'm doubling down on it. I think this film is a really good film because there is so much to be enjoyed in it for, you know, just the scenes of joy yeah. Between, you know, Frozo and Venus and Frozo and, and, and the other sideshow act like um Yeah, I love those moments of joy in the film. And Frida being sassy and yeah. heartbreaking. Like again, that scene where she's breaking up with him and she's fiddling with her clothing. Like it's so It's so good. Good. And and again, like the fact that many of these performers, it was their only film and it's mm. amazing. Um I think there's so much talented. Be, yeah, there's so much to be enjoyed in it. 
And there's also a lot of good conversation to be had from it. Yeah. So I almost feel like all the bits that are ick can prompt good thoughts. Yeah. And all the bits that are good can really be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I agree with you there. So I think I think like like we always say, like we absolutely tell you the whole plot. And <laughs> I don't know if you're someone who you can Move watch past. In, yeah, like spoilers and things like yeah. that. But I, I would recommend this film. Mm-hmm. Um obviously like 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 we've said multiple times, it's very dated. Obviously, very yeah. Dated. I think if I was to recommend, if I were to recommend it, it would be with a disclaimer attached to it. Yes, yes, definitely, definitely. They're gonna say they're gonna be extremely ableist. Yeah. <laughs> um. But I think I think it is, and also the thing about this is. It's very easily available online. How did you find it? Did you find it okay? Yeah, I found it okay. Yeah, yeah. Because again, it's that it's that you know pre-code film. It's so old, no one cares anymore. Mm. Like, it's but not I like was, I think I was more surprised that I could find it because it had been banned. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think. It, it then got such a cult following, mm. so it, it there are lots of copies of it, and yeah. because yeah, like it is so old, the copyright people just don't care as much. Like, yeah, like, it's like the time has expired. But I know in parts of America, this film is still banned. Oh, is it? Yeah. Wow. It is a very interesting film, I mm. think, and I. Not to pat myself on the back too much, but I think I I um am pleased with the amount of research I did. Yeah, you did well. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I was very nervous about it. I like I said, I think this film. Oh, can you hear my stomach rumble? <laughs> that is so loud, honey. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we need to wrap this up because Mog is gonna eat her microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's inching closer and closer to my mouth. Um, <laughs> no, it's fine. I always wanted to do this film justice mm-hmm. because I think there is a lot to be said. It deserves to be, the justice deserves to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mob justice. Mm-hmm. But I do have a yes, a little fact. Yeah, yeah. The director of job. this film, I know, the director of this film was Todd Browning, who also yes. directed the original Dracula. Hey, I didn't know that. Yeah. The and, 1931 Bella Lugosi. Yeah. And growing up, Todd Browning had an interest in the circus and circus life. Yeah. And yeah. this film, he came across this film, which was a book at the time. It was 1932, mm-hmm. 1922, or 23, the book came out. And he did the film in 1932. Yeah. And it was a film that essentially ended his career because it was so problematic. Wow. Yeah, and and given how the tone of the film is, I would say, ultimately goes down on the side of, um, yeah, like like we said, patronising at times, but Mm -hmm. treat people who don't look like you with kindness. It almost makes me like it more the fact that he made it and it ruined his career 
but he still made it. This is yeah. something, this is this is a thing that he he, he still wanted. yeah went through with it. He wanted to get this message out enough yeah. that he yeah risked his career for it. Shout out to Todd Browning. Yeah. Well, I think that's literally all. <laughs> what else is there to say? <laughs> If you are still listening, God bless you. Yeah, well done. <laughs> I I am sorry, like 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 I said, like yeah, like I keep saying, I knew it was going to be a long. Yeah, time, this will but... probably be the longest. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know what? This is now the like every time we think we're talking too much. Hey, it's not freaks. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so very much for, for listening. listening and sticking this far. Oh, what film are you doing next? Time? Next week. Next. I keep saying next week. Next it episode. It flows off the tongue, doesn't it? Yeah. Next episode, I've chosen to do the Chernobyl Diaries, twenty twelve, which oh. follows a group of eight people who get stranded in Chernobyl and realise they're not alone. Well, I need to make a note of that because I don't think I had that written down as the next film. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. I have heard a lot about it. Well, not mm. a lot. I've just heard of it a lot. Yeah. Well, yes, feel free to watch that as well yeah. so that you won't be, like we say, we always spoil it. No. Uh, you won't have it spoiled. You'll just be, You'll be in going along with us. You'll be able to picture the scenes with us. Yes, yes. Um, so yes, thank you so much for listening. Um, please do feel free to check us out on A Horror Shared on Instagram, A underscore horror underscore shared. We also have a Gmail if you prefer long form email. The email is a horror shared at gmail.com. Yes. Yes. This is, like I said, this is the longest episode we'll ever do, probably, mm-hmm. until the next longest episode comes up. This is the longest by about an hour, I think. Yep. There's so much to be said about this. So if you have any thoughts, if you have about any voices film, to say, let us please, know. Please do let us know because I think this is such an interesting film and mm-hmm. there can be so many different ways of looking at it. Yeah. So if you have a way of looking at it, please do tell us. Like Mog said, next episode we will be talking about The Chernobyl Diaries, 2012. Yes. And until next time, keep it accepting. Yes, that's very good. Be accepting right, of others. Yes. Later. Later.